get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, Smoke Night Live. Uh, I'm sitting here with, with Jordan. <laughs> We're back! Jordan, my intrepid yes. producer, kid wonder boy producer. How you doing, Jordan? Uh, I'm excellent. You know, we haven't had a normal show in... I know. Uh, I know when. I've been... I can't remember. I've been traveling. Uh, finally back. Back in uh, Denver in the Mile High City. I am your host, Master Sensei. This is episode 286 Jordan of Smoke Night Live, two hundred and eighty-six episodes. Gonna, we need to time it to where the three hundredth episode is like on an important event. Uh, we, I already know that event. It's going to be on uh, Dojo Cello, Dojo Do Cello, Do Cello, So we're thinking, guys. Oh, here's the thing. We're thinking our big Thursday event before Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. You guys, maybe if you guys are on Facebook watching, you can help us figure this out. The big Thursday night event that we had before Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. We need to, we need to brand it. We need to have a cool name for it. You know, like Lazona Palooza. That kind of a like they came up with cool branding on Lazona Palooza. It's got to have it's got to have a cool branded name like that. So you guys need to help us. Uh, figure, Jordan came up with instead of Coachella. What'd you come up with, Jordan? Docella. Docella. I don't know. I like it. It's got potential. There's something there. Oh, it's that's it. And and so that's a possibility. But if you guys have any other cool, you know, uh, dojo stock instead of Woodstock, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's something. No ring to it. There's no ring to that. Uh, uh, wood dojo. No, uh, no. You guys are gonna go with Burning Man. I know it. We've tried. <laughs> yeah. We can't use Burning Man. That's taken. But we, can, you know, it's got to be something. We got to come up with. So I'm I'm leaning heavily on Dojo Nation to come up with some sort of cool name for our big Thursday uh, event before Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. By the way, Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest is going to happen this year. Talk to Danny today on the phone. And I'm guaranteeing, I, I shouldn't guarantee, how can I guarantee something like that? I'm fairly confident that Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest will happen. And if you want to fly out, Come to the event, and then also come to our Thursday night event. We are going to get a room block, like we like we normally do, at a hotel. So you guys have a, a cool place to stay where everybody can stay in the same sort of hotel. We'll also we usually have like a Friday night. We have a Thursday night party, Jordan, and a Friday night party. Just pretty much every you know the whole and, weekend. And then of course Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest is on that Saturday. So that you yeah, know I'm sweet. already. I'm already looking forward to the event. Although the you know the downside to that is, it's basically when that event happens, that marks sort of like the end of, you know, the end of summer. So I I want it to happen, but I also you know <laughs> I don't want it to come too soon. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to come too soon. Hey Jordan, uh, this week on the dojo on the dojo verse big contest, we're giving away 25 premium. We just cigars. got off of a contest. I know. We're doing another, doing another one. one. Boom. This one, by the way, in that twenty-five cigars, there is a Drew Estate uh, Bauhaus. That that's this. You have to say you no no. You pronounce that Bauhaus. 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 Anyways, there is. It's a great twenty-five cigars. There's no dogs in that package. And to enter, all you got to do is post. Here's what we're looking for. We're looking. You know, smoke on a cigar. By the way, I'm going to talk about this cigar that I'm smoking. Super good, but um. S capturing smoke with your camera, Jordan, as you know, as a photographer, Jordan, it's not that easy to do. Like, if you, you want to try to capture, like, the cool, billowing, you know, smoke, but it's it's somewhat of an art form. you got to try to, you know, capture the coolness of the smoke mm -hmm. billowing from the cigar and post that on the Dojoverse with hashtag smoke signals, and you're automatically entered for that contest and we will pick a winner on Wednesday night's Flavor Odyssey coming up uh, next, or this this coming Wednesday, I guess you would say. Right, Jordan? Uh, this coming Wednesday. So you have a few days to enter. So now here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a contest that is not random. We're not picking a random winner. So you've got to use your creativity. Take your time. Set up a shot. But at the same time, we're also not looking for 
you just posting like a picture that you took three years ago. You know, we want you to take a picture specifically for this contest, make it artistic, make it cool. There's already been some amazing entries, Jordan, some really, really cool entries already so far. So the competition is going to be intense. But anyways, make sure to um, to enter the contest uh, for your chance to win 25 premium cigars from uh, my personal stash. So these are all nicely kept, nicely aged. You would Ev- think, you know, the first instinct when you go to take a photo of smoke, you think like, hey, I should put this on like a on a slow shutter, capture, build all the smoke up. That doesn't work. You want it to be as quick as possible. Because mm. you want to like... You want the the smoke to be like a crisp, crisp smoke. Otherwise, it's, the whole photo it, is just it just foggy. looks like fog. Right. You don't want it to look like fog. You want it to look like cool smoke. So, anyways, uh, I think some of you guys get. The, I know I saw um, El Lichero. He posted two pictures yesterday that were, to me, right now, leaders in the clubhouse. They were so good, super cool, and like I said, it's not easy to get that just that right look about it. But anyways, have some fun with it. Uh, think about it. Take some time. Get the lighting. That's another thing, Jordan. You have to have the light. Gotta have you have to have enough light. light shooting into the smoke to make it look really cool. But have some fun with that. Uh, hey, folks, uh, please, right now, uh, share this show to your own timeline on Facebook. That really helps us grow. And if you're listening to this as a podcast on iTunes or Spotify uh, you know, please give us a rating. Five stars really helps a lot. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Do all those things. Uh, really helps um, helps uh, Smoke Night Live grow um, as one of the largest um, cigar podcasts in the industry. But we're always looking for new folks. And so if you share it and if you subscribe, we can get new members, which is great. Hey, tomorrow, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the Ask the Professor show. And that's the uh, Fuente Mirafil uh, show that they do usually on Sundays. So they've been doing it a year. And to celebrate, they're doing a record-breaking 26-hour-long podcast. Jimmy <laughs> Christmas. 26 hours. Uh, who thought of this idea? I have, it has to be Jose it's Blanco. Gotta be Blanco. It's got to be Blanco. Anyways, some crazy person thought of doing a 26-hour-long podcast. And Jordan and I will be hosting... Uh, one of the, fir- the early hours of the show, it'll be uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. We will be taking that hour. We'll be taking it over from Bear to Plissa, and we'll be handing it off to Cigar Aficionado's Gordon Mott. So we'll be in between Bear and Gordon uh, in that uh, segment. So tune into that. Right should in be a lot of fun. Spot. Right in the sweet spot. That's a good time slot. Um, should be a good time. Anyways, uh We'll see what happens. Who knows? You know, this, this, I don't think it's ever been attempted before. There's been some long ones, eight, 12 hours, a couple of those, but nobody's done one, you know, 20. 20 we always talked about hours. doing like a long Smoke Night Live, like telethon style show. Right. Have like Coop, like on a unicycle juggling or something. Mm. Coop on a unicycle juggling. A bunch juggling. of guys taking calls. <laughs> Who knows what for? Yeah, just to take calls. Just to you know, take like, <laughs> hey, you got a is something wrong with your dog? Uh, we, Scott's here. He can put him. He can put your dog We've down. We got for guys you. that can help with yeah, pretty much anything. Pretty much. You got you know your dog's got uh, intestines tied up. We, he can figure that out. <laughs> Our studio audience tonight is just small tonight. It's just yeah. Matt and Scott. How you guys doing over there? They're no drinking, uh, drinking bourbon, no hanging mic. out. No mic. Tonight on the show, first time we've ever had this guest on the show. A couple of years ago at the IPCPR, which is now the PCA, these guys made a major splash. Jordan, I, you remember that? Oh. It was like everything. Well, hey, like a major dunk. Have you ever seen, you know, have you guys seen the Ace Prime booth? You know, like that. It was like that. Like these guys got like, there's like a, a basketball hoop over there. Tiago Splitter is over there. Dominique Wilkins is over there. And, and everybody's like, what? Who? Ace Prime? What? What are you guys talking about? Anyways, they made a major splash, and since then, it's just kind of been uh, an uphill trajectory for these guys. So we wanted to bring uh, Luciano on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, from Ace Prime Cigars, please welcome to Smoke Night Live, Luciana Meirales. Luciano, how you doing, my friend? Doing well. How are you? Uh, doing good. You are good. in, uh, you are in uh, Managua, Nicaragua, as we speak, correct? Yes, I am in Managua. 
have the lake right behind me here. <laughs> how how are things in uh, <laughs> in Nicaragua tonight? It's hot. You know, probably the hottest night of the week. It's uh, it's really warm right now here. Uh, but things are good, man. I mean, uh, it's hard to say good this times, right? You know, with, with COVID and everything. But uh, it seems to be pretty calm yeah. here. You know, in Stelly, uh, fortunately, we haven't had any issue with any of our employees uh, since February of last year, which was uh, probably we only had one case. And, uh, and so far, you know. Knock on the wood. Knock on, knock on mahogany or knock on particle Mahog- board. Um, so, uh, Luciano, uh, you describe yourself on your website as cigar master blender, sommelier, and global entrepreneur. Now, that's uh, that's quite that is quite a sentence. Like uh, cigar master blender, sommelier. Now, becoming a sommelier. That's no easy task. That takes uh, you can't just one can't just get an like an internet certificate to be a sommelier. Yeah, it does take some time. Took me about three years oh. uh, to get my L two, but I you know it's it's something that we're always passionate about. Uh, yeah, always try to collect wine, buy a lot of wine uh, in, in auction, and I but I, I didn't know shit about wine. I I, I knew how to taste it. And I, I wanted to create, to curate my, uh, my collection. So I, that's, that's the reason why I got into this whole thing. I spent some time in Switzerland and, you know, took the chance to, uh, to do that. And it was kind of slow, but I finally did it. Now, I, I got to tell you, uh, I consider myself to be a, uh, I'm a wine enthusiast. Uh, I'm way, way far off from being a wine expert in any stretch of the imagination but i i do uh i love my zinfandels i try to uh come up i try to drink a two or three different new zinfandels a week and i i kind of you know sometimes i i stray a little bit into some of the other wines you know cabs and merlots and and that kind of stuff but what i what i what i found is wine is a very underrated pairing for cigars i think it gets overlooked in the grand scheme of things there was a time when you know like the old people would say like oh have a port wine with your cigar you know port that was like the big thing that people would drink with cigars but nowadays i i feel like that's sort of like uh missing the boat there's so many uh pinot noir like that's a really good combination with wine mm-hmm. zin is a good combination with cigars it seems to me, don't you think that wine sort of gets overlooked in the grand scheme of things for a, a cigar pairing? No, I absolutely agree. I think uh, I, I got to say that pairing cigars and wine, it's not easy. Uh, and it's easy for you to make mistakes when you try to do that. Uh, but, you know, you smoking a cigar right now that pairs uh, wonderfully with wine. And it was actually uh, that cigar was... Uh, that's something we had in mind, actually, when, when Pichardo was blending the cigar. I immediately said, this is going to be a wine cigar for sure. Hmm. Uh, I, I think I, I agree with you. It's completely uh, underrated. You know, there's so many things that can be paired with, with wine, and, uh, and definitely cigars are one of them. Yeah, so uh, talk about um, talk about the fact that, um, you know, the being a small yay seems to lend itself well with being a a master blender of cigars. Like, you know, it's kind of like a singing, right? Like uh, you can't just get lessons and be, become a really great vocalist. Like there has to be mm-hmm. some sort of natural, you know, talent that you have for singing. And then the lessons and the vocal lessons and all that sort of stuff might lend itself towards that. But you have to have some natural talent. It seems to me that it's got to be the same with being a small yay and a cigar master blender. You have to have, you know, at least a good cornerstone palate to understand the flavors that you're tasting, understand where you want to go with these flavors and how they might, you know, mix with each other or they might not mix with each other. Um, that has to be something that you're kind of just naturally accustomed to, correct? You know, it's a, it's a curse and a blessing. And, uh, some people that kind of walk with me for a while, they know they know the the struggle. <laughs> um, I have this kind of weird disease, you know. It's uh, it's it's called by 
some people like synesthesia. There, there's several different names for it. But I, uh, I always struggle a lot with sounds and, and tastes and flavors. And uh, they can really throw me off. They can really make me sick uh, to a point where, like, if I learned a song in a, in a key and my daughter was in the other room singing the same song in a different key that I learned, that would give me, like, you know, headaches and it would be really hard for me it was 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 terrible no no kidding it was that was kind of the struggle of my life to be honest and to this day it is i mean i found mechanisms to cope with but the same area of the brain uh it's responsible for uh tastes and flavors and also you know flavors and smells and things are, 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 are i'm very sensitive to it uh in and although it sounds like, you know, fun and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, there's, you know, it's kind of superpowers, but it's actually, it comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of pain as well. So, you know, but I, again, I learned how to cope with it and I use it to, uh, of course, to, to many things. And, and I love music, by the way. So it's something that I always been passionate about it. And, uh, you know, all this kind of sensorial things, you know, they're all connected, you know, food, wine, cigars. With great power uh, comes great responsibility. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, That's true. Yeah. So, so, but when you are, you know, when you're blending cigars, um, and you're uh, tasting the the different wines and and that sort of thing. Now, you, you're sort sort of saying it's a curse because you're you're so in tune to it and you want it to be a certain way. Is that kind of what you're getting at, or or, or no, why, why a, do you struggle with it? What's <laughs> the struggle? The struggle is, uh, I give an example about the, the music, right, the songs. Uh, if I, uh, <clears throat> let's say I smoke like two bad cigars in a row, uh, I just cannot blend it anymore. You know, I have to reset again. I, I, uh, foods can just kind of make me not eat, you know, although I'm hungry. Uh, that's the curse of it. I, I, I'm just kind of extremely um, affected, you know, by 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 things that that will just kind of throw me off, you know, like different tastes that are not right, or something that I that my brain is expecting to eventually, uh, you know, face it, and then I I don't have it, and then it's just like I don't control it. It's just kind of weird. Now, how do you? I'm sure we, we might have some. How do you go about resetting go your palate? Well, when I get to that point, it's like you know, next day. But uh, mm-hmm. but normally, you know, when think when I'm not too bad, because you know we have the good days and the bad days. When I have the the good days, uh, I like to reset with iced tea, mm-hmm. uh, and that's one of the things I learned uh, with uh, two of my mentors. You know, I mean, it's it's very effective. Iced tea, you know, uh, uh, you can use a little rum too, as long as you drink lots of water after. You know, sparkling water is really good too. Yeah, ice. Uh, so a glass of milk before it's all about balancing the acidity of your saliva so then you can perceive flavors as they're supposed to be perceived now what i what i that's something that's underestimated is is, is, res, is the is the acidity is that what you're saying the acidity yeah the ph of your saliva people just don't mm. talk about that but that that's one of the main things that affect our the way we perceive cigars i tend to what i do and this is probably wrong uh, but this is what i do just personally I, I have like these like cigars that I that kind of like my home base cigars. And so like when I when I've had like a, a, a cigar or two or three and I feel like ah, I'm not, it's, nothing tastes good to me. I go back to, you know, one of these cigars and I've mentioned a lot of them on the show. I won't mention them again, but I go back to like a certain cigar and then I say, OK, now now I know where I'm at because I know exactly how this cigar is supposed to taste and that kind of sort of re recenters me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly how it is. So sometimes I'm smoking like you know a pichard, like the one you're smoking right now, and I said, "Well, what tastes weird? You know, what, what's what's going on? It's something wrong with the cigar." Then I light another one. It's the same flavor. I said, "No, it's actually my palate. It's my palate that's affected." Like this week, uh, I, we were at the office this this week, and by the way, there was a crazy story to uh, this that happened this week too so my one of my uh, you know a lot of people call him padrino but he's truly my my mentor so ernie was in town this week and he came over to the factory we have one of those kind of amazing moments there but that's that that day i was completely uh i was completely off like my my palate was was just not not functional you know 
But what happens is if you, a lot of people say, well, after you eat a meal, you know, smoke a stronger cigar and in the morning a lighter cigar. I actually uh, like what Michael Curlot said one day, which is he goes exactly to the opposite direction. Uh, and I, I agree with him 100%. I like to actually light my stronger cigars in the morning hmm. because my palate will fade away along the day. So if I want to uh, really experience the full flavor and body of a cigar, I like to start with a strong one in the morning and then go with the light one at night. Uh, and when I'm when I'm having dinner, uh, I mean, of course, you know, all the acidity of the saliva is going through your stomach, through digestion. So your brain is saying, you know, just take all the all your hormones, everything it's working to bring your saliva, to bring the acidity, you know, to concentrate the acidity in your stomach for digestion. So immediately your saliva becomes uh, alkaline just 30 minutes after any, any full meal. So now you're going to be able to actually perceive any acidic note way more uh, sharp than if you're empty stomach. That's so, that's when I that's when I reach for an Alka Seltzer. You know, I don't know about you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Luciano, yeah, but, uh, how did you get into the cigar industry in the first place? What what uh, what brought you in? What was the thing that uh, got you interested in this craft and this lifestyle that we all uh, love so much? Life is full of paradoxes, right? So was, uh, I gave an example of the, the curse and blessing. And also cigars was part of a big change in my life. I was working... Uh, I was uh, working like an animal, you know, <laughs> I would just, I was basically living in three different countries. Uh, I, sometimes I would just fly and, and lose, lose track where I was actually landing, you know, I think there's a movie about it, uh, somewhere about a similar story, but I was living in three different countries and, uh, and, uh, you know, traveling the world and losing my family. So staying away from my, from my daughters a lot, from my wife. And I was confronted with something really hard in my life, which, uh, I, you know, we can probably go into details later, but that made me change a lot. So I decided to simplify my life. I was working with the DR government at that time. This was back in 2008, 2009. And uh, that's when I met Ernie, met Ernesto Carrillo. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I told him, I said, listen, because uh, he was the guy who really embraced me at that time. And I said, I, I, I want to change. You know, I don't need to work anymore uh, the way I'm working. So I want to do something that brings pleasure to my life. I always smoke cigars. And Ernie was the one who actually got me into the business uh, side of it. Like he taught me, you know, how the business worked. And, uh, and, and I blended my first cigar with him. And Bernie was the one who actually first introduced me to Pichardo. Uh, Pichardo had recently fled from Cuba and he was, uh, basically creating a small factory, uh, in Brazil. Then later he moved to, uh, Nicaragua and we set up the factory. Here we are, man. It's been like a 12 year journey. Wow. That's, that's cool. Like, I mean, you can't think of a better guy than Ernesto, by the way, he was on the show just a few weeks ago. We had a great, great conversation, uh, with him. Yeah. He was our number one cigar of the year this year. But the uh, Mil Dios was number three. So uh, between the two of you guys, two spots in our top three Dang. this year. So that's pretty impressive. But so so you you just said to yourself like this is, you know, this is the industry. This is the the thing that I can kind of maybe, you know, get personal enjoyment and satisfaction. It doesn't feel so much. I think uh, what does Eric Espinosa always say? You know. If, find something that you love you never work a day in your life that kind of a thing like you you realize that with, yeah. with well, cigars you were going to just be happy and and the work wasn't going to seem so much like work yeah you know I, I i had that the privilege of uh of not let's say uh need to work to survive anymore at that time and uh and for me uh cigars came a few maybe a few months a year after i really kind of you know sort of reset my life and start spending more time with my family. But that actually, um, it's an interesting point because I, um, it's not that I like a refine a purpose. That's one thing you, you, you guys, you know, will learn a little bit about me is just like, I don't like the, I don't like the bullshit, you know, 
like like right now for example like i'm feeling extremely tired you know and i'm here talking to you guys i could just be smiling and saying this is everything is wonderful uh and it is wonderful to be here it's awesome to be part of this show uh but it was a tough week this week man crazy but anyways i uh so this guy um this guy i mean see i'm tired uh i was uh just uh completely you know i i got this kind of moment where i realized i was losing my family and i said mm. you know what i'm gonna just kind of stop everything and change my life and when i started into cigars actually it was something that i could do like go once a week to dr uh i was already working there anyways and then i would spend like you know three weeks with my family and then just go spend maybe three days down uh in nicaragua so it was something that i was very committed uh but i was but i could like manage my time and it almost started as a non-profit for me uh, you know where we would just go to Nicaragua, help some villages that needed development, you know, pressure the city hall. And uh, we had only four tables at that time. And when we start reinvesting and expanding, when we got the big contracts, uh, we, we really tried to focus in four areas of Steli to, uh, to help the, the communities there. And one, then we realized that actually becoming a for-profit and really making this a business, uh, we could employ more people and, become, uh, and, and turn the business into a sustainable business. So, but answer your question, yeah, it started with this, uh, this kind of, I don't know, breakthrough moment uh, that I had in my life. And then from that point on, uh, this is, this has been basic everything I do, I mean, you know. So in a, in a lot of ways, like metaphorically, you sort of reset your life palette at that point. Like, Hashtag we, life palette. Boom. Life palette. You, you kind of like, kind of like we, you, you talked about resetting your, your actual palette, you, you had a reset, and you reset your life palette. Um, let's talk a little bit about the factory. Um, this is a, you guys are are somewhat vertically integrated. You have farms. You grow tobacco in Ecuador, um, Condega, and there's another one that you don't hear too much, uh, Pueblo Nueva. Like that. That's what. That's mm -hmm. sort of like just west of Condega in, a bit, or what? It's it's so like uh, it's an interesting actually part of the choreography. If you look at the map in Condega, we're very close to the border with Honduras there too. Uh, but it's, if you start going actually uh, northwest from Condega, you see that uh, Pueblo, it's a little strip, almost going inside of Condega. It's almost the same soil, but it's not the same soil. Dif different altitudes, um, but very close to each other. Very similar characteristics of the soil. And also there's no... It's not like big lands and big producers there. Um, and the way we grow tobacco is a little different than uh, like we grow in Jalapa, for example. Uh, there we, we divide, the cycle, divide the cycles into two and a half manzanas. And we have small plots that all together combine. Uh, they are a distant size production. But, you know, when you look at it, you have to walk through different plots uh, to, to see, and we, we rotate that cycle. We do, instead of doing actually three cycles, we do four. Um, so there's four seasons of the year that we grow tobacco. So we don't get the, the, the land tired too. But Pueblo became very popular with CAO. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, when the Terranos, uh, when they start actually making that, that leaf a little more popular as they did with the Brazilian tobacco as well. I think it comes from, from their creativity or, or necessity. Um, but they, uh, that tobacco is just phenomenal, man. It's, mm. I don't know if you, if you remember, if you ever smoked anything with Pueblo, um, but it is, a, it is a very unique tobacco. Yeah, it's certainly one that you don't, you know, isn't, you don't hear about it nearly as often, uh, obviously, as Jalapa, Condega, Esteli. Mm -hmm. um, now, how, what, what would you say, what, to what degree is the factory vertically integrated how much of it is just completely your guys's farms the the cigars you produce you know what percentage of it is is the stuff that you guys grow personally so it's it's a good question it, that has been changing quite a bit you know over the years today i can say that uh, maybe i don't know 80 percent of the fillers uh, comes from what we grow uh, Pichardo has a farm in Ecuador where he grows Sumatra, Connecticut, and Havana. 
So we've been, we use a uh, lot of those wrappers, of course, and whatever we cannot use, we do have uh, one outsource. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll give an example, like with, uh, with the Mil Diaz production today, 100% of uh, everything that we produce in Ecuador, it's basically going to Mil Diaz. Because okay. it's, uh, it's, it's moving well, it's selling quite well. So, you know, I think uh, we, are, we are walking through uh, to some weird times when it comes to tobacco today. There's a boom, you know, like everybody's crazy after tobacco, uh, which is very good for us right now. So we made the right investments to uh, knowing that this time would eventually come. Uh, but we, need, we still need to expand. So we just doubled our, uh, our operation Jalapa recently. And we also uh, created a different business model where we opened for uh, some people who wanted to grow there too. Uh, so we could actually uh, diversify and, and, and split risk. So it's been a it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey. But I would say maybe eighty percent of fillers and fifty percent of wrappers. That's what we outsource. Everything else we do ourselves. All right. How big of a factory is it? How many uh, uh, pairs of roller and bunchers do you guys? employ at we, the factory we have now 40 tables we are uh with 80 percent that's probably 75 percent capacity this past two three weeks um now how many tables did you just say i missed that uh 40 40 okay 40. Four zero. yeah so we have uh we have to do a capacity of 5.5 million cigars a year wow that's our our or capacity. I mean, with the system, the construction that we have, every single stick goes to the the draw master. So not many factories do that. So we uh, uh, and it's we slower the process a little bit, but we that's the way we like to do it, man. That's worth it. Now I I know a lot of people are interested because you guys have a uh, an agreement, sort of a partnership uh, with Crown Heads. Uh, how did that come to be? How does that work? They're sort of like your distribution channel, and you produce some of their cigars for them. Uh, t- talk us through the uh, the uh, partnership with the Crown Heads uh, team. Eric, I think it's it was uh, this word is overused, but it was very organic. You know, it was organic for real. Like uh, I think Mil Diaz tells a little bit of the story. Uh, I remember actually seeing a Crownheads box at Ernie's desk in the, you know, I don't know, 2000, 2011, I think when they started. I remember seeing the box and I remember actually one day when uh, John was there, uh, but we never connected. It was Miguel, actually, the, the Miguel Chaudel, the national sales manager, who uh, kind of really built the bridge back in 2017. So this was a trade show, Vegas. Uh, we sit together. Uh, for a smoke and you know we're all handing each other cigars and uh, he get some of our cigars he start smoking and the next week I got a phone call can you send me more of these and, and so it, it, it began like that you know just uh, just sending blends and, and it was like that for almost a year and a half when then we launched uh, our first project together which was uh, Juarez but that was actually launched with Thompson Cigars uh, and, uh, and John got, he got a little disappointed because he wanted to see more, uh, more of that cigar. He was in love with that cigar. Um, and there's also another backstory to it. We, he actually, first he thought about sending that blend to a German distributor, uh, cause they wanted to do something special there, you know, special for Germany or something. And we send them, they didn't pick the blend. And John was like, what? You know, I love this cigar. I got to do something with it. And then we did the Juarez. And then the Juarez uh, sold like crazy. They brought, of course, the brand in-house from Thompson and started just selling brick and mortar, everything. And uh, that's when it uh, took off. And then from there, we've been doing some special projects until we got to the Mil Diaz. Uh, and the whole idea, the whole story about the Mil Diaz is the 1,000 days. Uh, it's actually about that date we met at, at the uh, PCA and we smoked a blend that later became the 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 Mil Diaz, which is the Phil Twix. Right. Yeah, that's a great cigar. I mean, <clears throat> that's yeah. that's what kind of the neat thing about that cigar, I think, is it's a, it's a diff. You know, it it doesn't strike you as like your typical Crown Heads cigar, mm-hmm. and it's got a unique flavor that. I don't know. In the in the cigar world, right? Like sometimes there's so many times I know you know this as well mm-hmm. as anybody. 
you know, after a while, like, okay, like Nicaraguan cigar, I've had it, you know, Dominican cigar, I've had it. It's tough to give a cigar a, a unique quality, but I think so, in somehow in that typical, in that, in that cigar, the Mildias, you did, you were able to create something that had a, a, a unique profile to it. What, what, what is it about that cigar that's unique? I think it's uh, subtleness, you know. Uh, people are so used to smoke strong cigars that they, it's the, the whole idea. We just talked about it at the beginning of the show. Like we uh, we want to expect something. We expect some notes. When you don't get it, you get frustrated, right? So initiating a new uh, perception, new culture, uh, it's kind of hard and risky. So I think uh, Mel Diaz was a very risky cigar because we're playing, again, we're playing with acidity a lot there. So it's very acidic tobacco. So when you do the Hatchel Hill, you feel like the burning here, and that's just basically uh, the the acidity, a combination of several minerals, you know, that we have in that tobacco. Uh, but just going back to the Juarez real quick, uh, it's Pueblo Nova, by the way, predominantly, uh, predominantly uh, Pueblo Nova fillers. That sweetness, a lot of magnesium in the soil, uh, and has the complex of the Condega with little more sweetness uh, and when you get a Lijero from uh, if you do a chemical analysis of the Lijero of Pueblo and you compare it with Condega you get more nicotine from Pueblo because for some reason the tobacco grows thicker same seed just grows thicker uh, so you get more concentration of nicotine but it, you just don't feel it you don't feel the um, the power of the nicotine uh, it's more like a rounded you know per se and the Mildias, uh, like I said, was a risky blend, you know. Um, so using the Peruvian tobacco, um, it's something that you see like Davidoff doing quite a bit in Dominican, uh, using the Pelo de Oro, not, not necessarily the, the, the Peruvian. Uh, but we, we decided to go with that, uh, with that blend. And when, once we had the Peruvian, we, the, we added the Costa Rican uh, binder, uh, it was something else. And I believe uh, it is a very successful cigar because people smoke more than one. When they, when they smoke one, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the type of cigar. I like to say, like, there are cigars I smoke once, and, and they're delicious. They're wonderful. I just cannot smoke another one. It's just uh, too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like the Mildias, because of its complexity, you don't need that kind of amount of uh, of, of strength to feel flavor. So the flavors are there. The flavors are amazing. And, and you know when you get, you know when you know you, you got something special? And I was telling this a friend, a guy who's actually here watching us. I was telling this, I said, dude, it's so we, we do, we're doing actually, we are actually blending this week. We're finalizing a blend uh, for, uh, for July launch. And I was like, was I maybe the eighth version of the blend? And I'll give that cigar to Pichardo. Pichardo will smoke it and he'll say, this is strong. This is like too strong. And then, I'll, and then Ernie would come to the office and I'll give the cigar to Ernie. Ernie would say, that's nah, kind, of, kind of medium, <laughs> mild. Uh, and someone would say, no, this has like floral notes. Uh, and no, I can, you know, this is something it's, it's kind of sweet and, and kind of dark chocolate. And, you know, it's funny to see like, you know, so every, everybody, everybody said something everywhere. entirely different, right? Completely, <laughs> completely opposite. You know, that, that was, that happened exact that happened with Mildias. Uh-huh. That happened with Mildias. We would smoke the Mildias. And I, I remember watching, you know, some reviews of the Mildias. It was so funny. I would see like some guys is going like, man, this is too strong. This is too, this is burning my nose. This is too much overpowering. And then we'll go to some, uh, some other ones would just say like, oh, I, I'm just feeling a little bit of, uh, I'm lacking brain. But it's because it's the new, you know, right. it's just like you smoke your first cigar. The new, it's always, uh, it's always a challenge. But then when, once you kind of find paradise, that's it. It's the new flavor. It's something you you just don't find anywhere. You know, they'll right. find all the time, and that that has been our goal. You know, to be quite frank, something unique. All right, so uh, we've passed the halfway point of the show, Jordan. Uh, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. This year, JR Cigar is celebrating their fiftieth anniversary. 
They'll be celebrating all year long with amazing promotions, contests, sweepstakes, and several limited-run projects with some of your favorite manufacturers. Join JR Cigar in celebrating 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. This is episode 286, Jordan, uh, of uh, Smoke Night Live. We are chatting with uh, Luciano Morales and uh, of Ace Prime Cigars. Um, they made a big splash, uh, Luciano. That uh, that uh, that PCA show, or if we want to call it that now, PCA, when you had Dominique Wilkins and Tiago Splitter, uh, that had to be pretty wild, right? That was a splash. Like, how do you make a splash in the industry? You guys did make a splash with those two athletes. Uh, talk just a little bit about hanging out with those cats for four straight days, shooting hoops and uh, well, free and throws. How all that came to be, yeah. Too. <laughs> So I think that the answer, uh, it's very simple. Uh, we had a lot of friends that, right, people we know for a long time, you know. And uh, Tiago is a good friend of a long time, and he's the one who introduced me to Dominique. We became friends. Dominique loves cigars. Uh, you know, when we decided to launch the MXS line, uh, he was, of course, in the top of our head to be, you know, someone that would sign one of the blends. So, uh, again, guys, a lot of people think we spent millions of dollars and we did a lot. But, again, it's just, just friendship, you know, just this relationship that we have over the years. Uh, we get a lot of actors that came over and stopped, stopped by our booth or just came to visit and just came to see it. Those are friends, uh, some of them, like, for five years, seven years, ten years. And, uh, and this guy is just kind of, you know, I don't know if you guys were there for the breakfast. I'll give an example, like uh, Amir Arison that does the blacklist and the NBC show. He was there, a good friend of ours, friend, family friend. And he was sitting there at the breakfast. He wanted to support, right? And then literally like 30 seconds before I got called to go up to the stage, he goes, hey, I have an idea. I have an idea. Just, just wait a second. Wait a second. The guy goes up to the stage and he starts like trying to imitate my accent and say, <laughs> I'm Luciano. And, you know, and he starts like pretending he's a CEO. And everybody's looking at the guy and, and um, you know, whoever recognized him was like, what? You know, who's, who is this guy? So, it, so people think like, oh, Luciano paid him to go there and do that. No, he's a good friend, you know, from in here. Uh, so is, so is uh, Tiago. Tiago is a partner uh, of Ace Prime. Uh, so Dominique was a little bit serious cigars that we did. It was fun. You know, we, we sold out. It was a, it was an amazing project. Um, so everything came together, you know, and then of course, when you bring all the stars and these people, you know, you can leverage a little bit with, uh, um, with, uh, you know, having more exposure, like, you know, the, the basketball court behind our, our booth, for example, that was actually PCA who put together because they knew, you know, Dominique was going to be there. This would be kind of fun. And, and, you know, so, you know, why not? And we have the space behind and, and our booth looker uh, looked bigger than actually it was. <laughs> that was awesome, man. I mean, it was all kinds of buzz. I, I remember at that show for uh, that, like people would be like, hey, did you know Dominique Wilkins is, is back there? You got to go shoot free throws with him and stuff. So it was it was great, man. Uh, good job yeah. on that. by uh, Making a splash. Let's Thank get you. to know you a little bit. I'm going to ask you five questions. I don't. I have. I don't. I don't know you. I've never met you other than you know just a little bit here and there. But I'm going to ask you five questions. Just answer off the top of your head, so we can get kind of a feel for the kind of guy that you are, what you like, your interests, and so on and so forth. And so here goes. All right, uh, Luciano, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Of all time, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh. Casa de Papel. Oh, oh, what's the what's the Netflix name for it? Because that's the best show ever. Uh, Jesus, someone help me with Casa de Papel. What's the name? Casa Just de the, Papel. the original. Yeah, it's actually pretty popular. I Breaking Bad. No, <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that, unless that's a uh, Mo- the Money Heist. The Money Heist. Money Heist. Ooh. Money Heist. I've never That's seen that. I've, I've never even seen See? that. Jordan, are you, it, are you familiar not, with that, I'm Jordan? Not familiar. No. Not familiar. All right. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. All right. What is your... Uh, now you said you were into music earlier. What's your sort of favorite style of music? If I have to pick one, I'll go with jazz. 
Jazz. Mm. All right. Can you name a name a artist or two that you uh, really appreciate and you're into? Uh, let's say on the instrumental, I would say probably Stan Getz and uh, Miles Davis. Oh, the uh, classics. Yeah. I, lo- I love the classics. On the standard side, on the standard, I would love like contemporary Michael Bublé. I love the uh, old school Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, but I like, I like fusion jazz too. So I love, you know, like fast jazz, like Chick Corea, which just passed. You can't, you can't go wrong with Frank Sinatra. I mean, right? Yeah, I old, love Frank Sinatra. Old Blue Eyes. I mean, come on. All right, what's uh, your favorite? movie of all time like if if you were going to be stuck on a desert island and you can only watch this one movie over and over and over it was just a vcr tape and a tv and you could only watch that one movie what would it be you know i have this thing with with members right so if, if it's a childhood move i would say uh et like E.T., <laughs> really? oh, yeah, the extraterrestrial. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, was like a, Yeah, it was like, a, a, you know, that's kind of one of the first movies I remember and enjoyed when I was a kid. Uh, and then if it was today, definitely Jason Bourne. I love those kind of, you know, spy Espionage. Yeah, I find it very interesting. An action, love it. All right, how about your, what's your favorite sport? To play basketball. All right, basketball. All right. To, that to seem, watch seems to make sense. Basketball and soccer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, finally, uh, your favorite ethnic food? Brazilian. Really? Brazilian? Mm-hmm. All right, give me a, like, you're, 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 this is your, uh, they're, they're about to execute you. You're on death row. You get your, your last meal. <laughs> what does your Brazilian meal consist of? Oh, man, definitely a steak. Yeah, you know, baby. Uh, <laughs> a, a Brazilian steak, you know, well well made, a picanha. They call it picanha. It's the cap of the top sirloin. Ah, you know, I, I, I hey man, it. I would be, I'd be right there with you on that one. Steak, baby, red. Give it to, give it to me, rare. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All I'm right, probably so the only soul in 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 Nicaragua who eats a rare beef here. I guess. Yeah, maybe you, me and Skip. In, in Nicaragua, they 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 make that skirt steak. You know that that. It's yep. all the all the steak is like that skirt steak, which I actually I actually really like it, but uh, it's typically yeah. not very not very red. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, it's time for our weekly top three. Jordan, it's the weekly top oh, three. Weekly top three. Now this week's oh. this week's weekly top three, uh, we're gonna have to try to come to a consensus, and maybe the folks that are watching on Facebook can help us come to this consensus. So, uh, Luciano, you're going to help us as well. Jordan and, and, and I will also see if we can come to a consensus as to the top three greatest athletes of any major, the major four sports. We're talking baseball, basketball, hockey, football. The top three athletes of all time, Jordan. Now, I kind of feel like there's a couple of these that are easy. There's a couple of these that are There's easy. There's two of them that are just slam dunk. But before we, before Jordan and I say anything, Luciano, what, mm. what's the first one that comes to your mind? As I mean, we're talking transcendent athletes, ones that that you know took their sport to an entirely new level. Do you have any that come to your mind? And if you're watching on Facebook, please post the. Uh, Please post your thoughts because I already have mine in my mind. But I'm curious to see what uh, Luciano thinks. I said offline, and I'll say online. You're missing <laughs> just one sport. <laughs> I told you, we're missing soccer. <laughs> but I would say uh, out of the four big American sports, I would say Michael Jordan. Okay. Now that's the first. We can all agree on that one. That is the first one that that came to my mind. Jordan, you don't have an issue with that, do you? No. No. I mean, Michael Jordan. I mean, come on. I just got done with the documentary. He's in there. Yeah. That's it. Have you seen Have you seen that documentary? Amazing, man. Right. Well, that's something I would watch like ten times in a row, probably. Oh yeah, that's incredible. All right. So I would say, Jordan, number two. I won't say it, but what would you say? Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Like Wayne Gretzky, literally, if you if you go back and you just if anybody ever asks you a hockey question at all, ever, ice hockey question, and they say, Who that who has the record for whatever? X. 
it's always Wayne Gretzky. I mean, literally, he's scored more goals and more points, like three times the amount of most I mean, players. Michael Jordan had better championship record. I think uh, Gretzky would have been in that ballpark if he would have stuck with the Oilers. But if we're just talking stats, I don't think anybody comes clo- Even Michael Jordan doesn't come close to Gretzky as far as stats in, in the sport that you're in. Right. He was he was definitely dominated that sport maybe more even, as far as statistics go, probably more than any other athlete in any other sport because he holds almost every single record there is to hold. It's untouchable. But now, this is where it gets tricky because I almost feel like Jordan and Gretzky are easy. This is where it the third one gets tough. Uh, Luciano, do you have... Another name that you that you would put in there as a top three? I would put actually two. I would put uh, Baby Ruth, Babe Ruth, Baby Ruth Jr., and I would put Tiger Woods. Tiger as a well, it's not a team sport, but I get what you're I get what you're saying. Tiger Woods. <laughs> I would have to go, I, and I'll go with Pele for sure. I would have to go. <laughs> this is all outside of it. <laughs> I, I would. I this pains me. This pains me to say it. But I ha- I have to go Tom Brady. I was gonna do the same thing. I, I have to go Tom Brady because he Tom Brady for sure yeah. is even though he, you know, drove me nuts on the Patriots for all those years and I used to hate him. It came to that point, Luciano, where I couldn't even I couldn't even argue it anymore. He was you know like yeah. eventually you just we had to, we had to swallow it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you just have to you just have to throw your hands up and say, all right, dude, you're you're incredible. It is. So. Yeah. I don't know if you... I well I don't know baseball at all not even a shred of baseball so there's probably some you already said Babe Ruth but like maybe there's some guys are missing in baseball I don't know but the, yeah I would agree with the with the Gretzky Jordan and and Brady Luciano there's always this argument about how like the different generations and and eras how do you think Babe Ruth would be in today's era I know obviously he'd be in different shape right like. You know, back then he's smoking cigarettes. He's, you know, he's eating a lot of uh, carbs. wasn't in particularly good shape, but in today he would be in good shape, and he's he was still dominant then. Do you ever do you ever consider that? Like, how does a guy like say Pele? Like, how would Pele be in today's you know world of soccer? Do do, do you think eras you know, play I, a big factor there? Again, I'm I'm not a, like a huge. Uh, huge fan of, of, uh, of baseball, you know, I mean, I could, I mean, I like baseball, but not, it's not like my main thing. Uh, but I, but the, the Pelé is kind of easy because definitely the game the soccer was so much slower than it is today. Like the ball was heavier. Uh, we had actually, uh, the fields were actually not the way they are today. They didn't have the same technology. So soccer is extremely fast and, and Pelé played in a, in an era where, soccer wasn't that fast but like baseball it's i don't think it has changed that much you know like soccer did so i think babe ruth would be amazing yeah because like they would just they would just adjust to the to the modern day training standards pele would it would adjust too because it's all relative he's he's working against the guys that they're all they're all playing in that same game they're all working with the slower the slower game you know Right, like people always Same say, like Gretzky. People always say, "Oh, Gretzky, you know, he, you know, this and that and the other thing." But he would be, you know, he would be in in tune with the modern day sport. And since he was so much better than anybody then, I would imagine he would be equally good now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So, hey, one of the big questions we always get, uh, Luciano, is uh, folks ask, like, "Hey, I'm not familiar with your brand." Um. Where do I start? What do, what where can I start in the brand? What would be a good starting point? What's a good cigar to to try uh, from the Pachardo line or or any of the other lines you do? Luciano the Traveler, Luciano the Dreamer. Um, where where might folks uh, start? What what will they expect from the Ace Prime brand? No, I think they'll find a lot of complexity on uh, on this one here, the Pachardo Classico. If you see here. Mm-hmm. The Pachado Classico, uh, it, it's it's a tremendous cigar. You know, I believe it's it's a in strength definitely medium, uh, but in flavor is just this complexity, and it's been uh, it's been a huge success for uh, for our lines too. And I think it's a very good start because it's not something that will overwhelm you and will not actually disappoint you if you're looking for uh, 
for a remarkable cigar, something that will be, uh, you know, perceived well in terms of uh, flavor. So I think definitely the Pichado Classico, the, you know, the Traveler was, a, was it is an amazing cigar. We're just doing exclusive Europe now because, you know, the, the Peruvian tobacco, the Pilduro is such a rare leaf. Uh, and we, we have to be mindful that, um, uh, that we have to be, uh, you know, we, we can uh, supply all the demand. That's a cigar that also sold out uh, pretty quick, and, uh, and it was supposed to be a limited edition anyways. Uh, but definitely, I would say, with the classical line of Pichardo. You know, come in, if you want to get to know us, just smoke the classical line. You get, you get the classical Sumatra, and now we have the Maduro, which comes with the Brazilian wrapper. Uh, and a very also unique smoke and a very good price too. The price point is amazing of all the cigars. And now we have the Pichardo Natural that's uh, it's going to be launched uh, next month, which is an amazing blend too. Uh, it's an Havana wrapper. So I would say go with the Pichardo Classical line. And then we have the Pichardo uh, Reserva Familiar too, which is also another interesting story. Yeah, now that so we do. Miguel Chaudel just asked, uh, he wants you to explain the fermentation process and the Reserva. Oh, there you go. He's coming out. <laughs> good, to, good to hear from you, Miguel. Um, yeah, so what we do is very simple, but very interesting. So the old man, Arsenio Ramos, I don't know if you guys heard of him. Mm -hmm. Arsenio uh, worked his, almost his entire life for Havana's SA in Cuba. And then when he left Cuba, he worked for different companies. He ended up spending the last five years of his life working with Eduardo Fernandez at Arganosa. Uh, he was considered, uh, Arsenio, the master of fermentation, right? He's the guy who uh, I have the honor to have as a mentor as well in his final years. Uh, he's, he was actually Pichardo's mentor back in Cuba. Uh, and he invented this thing, which is the, the anaerobic, anaerobic fermentation. Aerobic uses oxygen. Anaerobic, uh, less oxygen. So, it's basically empowering the yeasts that are fermenting the tobacco. The yeasts that don't need too much oxygen, you activate them by removing oxygen. And then they take over the fermentation, uh, creating a different result of the blending. So what we do is, after the cigars are rolled, they, they go through the uh, draw master, for the draw master wrap, and we just let them dry for one day, and then they go in plastic bags. Those plastic bags for three months inside the aging room. Then we remove the plastic bags, and they stay for another 12 months uh, before they're shipped. So it's it's a huge investment. So we make wow. cigars without having orders, uh, and you know, it's it, that's what why that cigar uh, it's extremely rounded. And you are smoking one of them. Uh, it's almost like. Uh, when you want to create one element, uh, one, one, one note in a cigar that you can only create if you put two, two things together, but they really have to marinate. They really have to kind of become one thing. Uh, this process creates that kind of, that kind of, uh, result. Uh, sometimes when, when people talk about, you know, uh, flat cigars or one dimensional, multi-dimensional, I think when the results we get out of this process is that we can put a lot of viso, a lot of lijero. So it's a strong cigar. But when you smoke it, you just don't feel harshness. You don't feel any spiciness in your front palate. Everything is kind of rounded. But then you're talking about a two and a half lijero in that toro that you're smoking right now. You just don't feel it. Wow. Because of that process. You don't have to use too much. And, and the less echo you use, uh, the less volado goes in, a, in, the, in the cigar. Uh, and, and the more viso you can play with, uh, more complexity you can build in a cigar, in my opinion. You know. so, so you know this, this, whole, this whole debate about using seco and viso. We had Ernest at Patrick, and, uh, and, uh, and he was telling me, like, we use no base, we use no base, we... When we say he didn't use, he doesn't use any base. Is that they, he doesn't put a sickle outside with a binder when he's constructing his cigars. So he, everything goes as as fillers. In uh, that's kind of my school, you know. You have to uh, play with more uh, and and more uh, fillers 
and less with uh, with you know kind of wrapping up the cigars. I sometimes I cut open some cigars that we have like four or five layers uh, of of seco uh, and and double binded and a seco and then the wrapper like four layers until you get to the fillers of the cigars. It burns, you know. Really well when you do that, actually, you know, you see like the perfect cigar, perfect construction, but it's so hard to build a, a different cigar with that, you know. Right. Uh, All right. So uh, what's coming up in 2021 for you guys? I know it was a crazy 2020 for everybody. Uh, TPE, PCA, will you be at one, both, neither, none? Uh, what's your What's your plan for 2021? Yeah, we are. I mean, like, you know, you know, Crown Heads distribute always prime products. We have uh, collabs, too, coming. Uh, we have the Mule Deals, which is a collab. Uh, we have some new cigars coming out of our factory. They'll be launched this year. Uh, we just had the TAA uh, press release a few weeks ago, so there'll be a, a TAA uh, cigar that was made at our factory. Uh, we will be at the TPE. I know uh, Crown Heads is it's there, which means we are as well. Uh, we'll be at PCA. Uh, we are launching uh, two cigars uh, at the at the show, and uh, Crown Heads is also launching two cigars at the show. Uh, I cannot say much because they haven't released <laughs> okay. everything yet. Uh, what else, man? Uh, we and we have uh, something planned for the end of the year. All right. Wow. We, we're extending the lines as well. So busy, busy, busy. It never stops. Now, right? one thing, uh, uh, audience question. Guys always want to know. Um, favorite cigar to smoke outside of your own brand? And don't and we're not talking Crown Heads either, you know. A little mm. more further outside the brand. I just had... I just had the Pledge. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, that was our Cigar Switch. of the Year, baby. Woo, that's a good cigar. And I'm telling you, man, it hasn't been a while since I had the experience I had this because I didn't smoke that cigar at all. I mean, everybody was talking about it. And so when I knew Ernie was in town, I said, make sure you bring these because I want to try. <laughs> uh, that cigar was just phenomenal, you know, but I, I, I smoke his stuff. I like, I like a lot of, uh, I, I like some cigars that comes out of Arganosa. Uh, I think Padron does an excellent job, you know, too. So we, I, I, I love some stuff that AJ does too. So, I mean, we all, we all smoke each other's cigars. This is, we, I was talking to Tom Lazuka the other day. We were in an event and he said, no, because I always, when I, when I smoke uh, someone's cigars, I always remove their band, and, you know. And I left at him. I said, I don't, man. I don't, I, I don't care. You know, I mean, we, at the end of the day, I think we are the, probably one of the only industries that we cannot survive without each other. So that's the reason why people... Uh, sometimes, you know, they 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 get uh, very surprised when they see the the, the friendship right. that exists amongst uh, manufacturers, and that happens because uh, you know we need each other, and uh, and I think this industry is unique. You know, uh, we all friends. No, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Luciano, we can't thank you enough for taking the time on a Friday night to join us on Smoke Night Live, my friend. That was a uh, uh, I, I hope that people will go out and uh, and give the brands a shot. I mean, I know a lot of folks, obviously, you know, are big Crown Heads guys uh, on the Dojo Verse and whatnot. But just the uh, your own your own brands. This is um, this is one of those emerging brands. You know, get in on it early when the stock is low. <laughs> Try it now and uh, enjoy something a little bit unique. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, we'll have more opportunities. I wish I was a little more healthier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. You did fine. All right, folks. Uh, Jordan, I don't uh, even know what the Flavor Odyssey is on Wednesday. I texted Randy. He didn't respond. Nobody knows. Uh, but there will be a, uh, I think, I think we'll the, the new. The smoking new, and drinking. Isn't it spicy? Is it spicy the next I flavor component? Anyways, uh, I think uh, Randy is supposed to do a live on Monday to tell what the pairing is. So Flavor Odyssey uh, Wednesday uh, next week on Smoke Not Live. I think I think uh, Eric Calvino from Cigar Snob Magazine will be our guest. We're just kind of finalizing that, making sure it works out with his schedule. So that'll be fun to talk to Eric. Uh, haven't had him on the show either. Uh, as far as tonight goes, it's Friday Night Herf, so 
Check into your favorite Ace Prime cigars on thedojoverse.com. Check into your favorite uh, Crown Head cigars on thedojoverse.com. And uh, share what you're smoking, share what you're drinking. Make sure to do that uh, Smoke Signals contest for a chance to win 25 cigars, baby. Until next week, remember, never never smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week.